morning. I'd like to thank Pastor Capan for allowing me to preach here this morning. Thank you to Latham Bible Baptist Church for allowing me to be up here. Um, I brought with me today a little bit of a show and tell, a root of a plant. Don't ask me what the plant was, I have no idea. But it is a root, and you can see that it's a good root, pretty healthy. Um, and then I brought a rock. Roots, I don't know if you know, are tough, but they're not strong enough to fight through this big stones like this. So they learn to grow around them. They learn to kind of go on the sides and front, behind. Though they do that, it's at the cost of a lot of time and a lot of energy. So though they grow around the rocks, we often, the, the roots are often weaker. As they grow down, they grow around the rocks and stuff, they get a little bit weaker. So it kind of hinders them a little bit from getting the nutrients and the water that they need. And today what I'd like to talk about is I'd like to talk about the condition of our hearts. Because I think our hearts can be the same way, right? And this stone, if you planted this root, you might not know that the stone was down there. But our hearts can sometimes get hard or bitter. And sometimes we don't know when that happens. When we plant... Um, we generally don't go too far deep. We're, 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 again, we're just kind of planting and sometimes you don't know what's down there. But just as, as our heart and the Lord, he wants to have our hearts in a way to mold it, to do things with it. But when it gets hard and it gets hardened or bitter, it's hard for him to do that. So today I'd like to look at that. I look uh, a couple of things. A hard heart will still grow roots. However, a hard heart will, if we allow it, will eventually turn to a bitter one. Our heart is tough, but if we're not careful, it might not break through a bitter heart. If you would, this morning I'd like to look at, uh, start with looking at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. If you start from the end of your Bible, you'll have Revelation, Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James, Hebrews. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, when you get there, look at verse number 14. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14, the Bible says this. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, notice, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The writer of Hebrews is telling us here that when we allow bitterness in our hearts, our hard heart to become bitter, it springs up and it troubles us. It troubles us, just like that stone troubles the plant. I'd like to, today what I'd like to do, if you turn with me to Mark, Mark chapter 6, we'll start there. We're going to look this morning at some folks that had a hard heart and if they were not careful, it could have easily turned into a bitter one. Mark chapter 6, Matthew, Mark. But first, let's look at some statistics. I got some numbers here for you. I just Googled some stuff here. A couple of disclaimers about some of the numbers and things that I'm going to say. First of all, I just want to clear my name. 
I didn't make this list. This is Google. This isn't an independent fundamental Baptist website or anything. It was just Google. So blame Google. Second, again, I didn't write it. So if there's anyone perhaps struggling with some sort of bitterness or hardness of heart, as I found as some of the top reasons, reasons why people are bitter, that I myself struggle with, Again, I didn't ask anyone about your personal beings or anything. It was just what Google gave me. So, But let's look at some causes of a hard heart that lead to bitterness and troubles most people. USA Today, in a study found in 2019, they did a study in 2019 of the U.S. population of how many people are bitter. And in 2019, they found that 75% of Americans are generally pretty happy. And 25% say that they they're, have some sort of a hard heart, a little bitterness. If you think about that, 75, 25, that's really not bad. It's more than half that are actually happy, right? But think about this in numbers. I like to deal with numbers. So as of July 2023, there reported 336,867,290 people in the United States. 25% of that is 84,216,000, I'm sorry, 84,216,822 people that say that they're bitter in some sort of way, shape, or form. That's 10 times the population of New York City. Think about this. As far as, so far in 2023, the world population is 8,045,311,447 people plus or minus those who were born today. 25% of that is 2,011,327,862 people that would be bitter. That's six times the United States population. That's twice the population of India, which has over a billion people. That's staggering, right? It's pretty large numbers, but let's bring it down to closer to home, right? If we're in church and there's 100 people in church, 25% says that 25 of us are dealing with some sort of hard or bitter heart. That means for every four people that are communicating, at least one is dealing probably with a bitter or hard heart. When you think about it in those terms, it like becomes reality, doesn't it? It's like, man, that's, that's a big number. You know, we see it at 75%, 25%. It doesn't seem that bad, but when we bring it closer to home, it's pretty bad. You say, okay, Dave, now you made me bitter just thinking about that, right? Sorry if I did that. With these numbers, what's the point? Well, the point is this. A hard heart will become bitter and affect our relationship not only with God, but with each other. I'll mention some causes of a bitter heart as we go through this morning. But what I like to do is I like to... Uh, talk about four points to talk to you about this morning that hopefully will help us no longer have a hard or bitter heart. Because again, sometimes we might not even know that. Sometimes people might actually point that out to us. In a, in a sermon that I have titled, Hard to Bitter or Bitter to Better. Hard to Bitter or Bitter to Better. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes in the back of your Bulletin is a place there for you to take notes if you don't have a baby or a small one on your lap. 
You're in Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, we find the Lord Jesus teaching in the synagogue and the people questioning his wisdom and where he, where he gets his knowledge to speak, which happens quite often in the life of Jesus. Look at verse number 4, because he says this, But Jesus said unto them in verse 4, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Now that statement right there can cause somebody to be bitter. I mean, if you're a dad or a teacher or a pastor and you tell someone, someone is confiding in you and you, you know, they want help and they, 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 they do exactly the opposite of what you say, right? Parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Stop doing this, Billy. And Billy does what? But somebody else tells Billy not to do the same thing. And guess what Billy does? He listens. I told you the same thing. You wouldn't have gotten in trouble. Well, Billy decided to take from someone else, right? They're doing the same thing with Jesus. Jesus is saying, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. He's with honor everywhere else, but the people in there, they're not, they're not believing him. They're not being blessed by him. So they're, therefore, they, they really couldn't uh, get all the miracles that Jesus wanted and had to give them. He was only able to do so much there because of their unbelief. Then, as you go on through uh, Mark chapter 6, he begins to send his disciples out. And he begins to have them do work. He begins to tell them to go preach, cast out devils, heal the sick. After a while, they return, and they come to, to give Jesus a report. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. We're going to pick up the story in verse number 30. We're talking about hard hearts. So if you're taking notes, number one, these are some causes of a hard heart. Causes of a hard heart. Ministry, or life in general, has a plan to change our plan, don't they? Let's look at verse 30. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto him, he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. And notice, rest for a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat or do anything. The word desert there doesn't mean a, a place where there's cactus and sand and there's nothing there, but the desert there means a quiet place where there wasn't necessarily people around them. So he's telling them, come, rest, and be with me. Disciples are to be with Jesus, a quiet place, sort of like a day off, right? After all, they deserve it, don't they? The ministry, though, changed their plans. They were expecting rest. They were looking forward to it. They would have unmet expectations because they were looking forward to rest. Let's keep reading verse 32. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew them, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach what he began to teach them many things. What was the expectation? Well, the expectation was to go get rest, to have Jesus all to themselves. How many times in our lives we just want to rest? We want to be alone, tired. Maybe we even want to be alone with God in life or ministry, or both, changes the plans. Our expectation is not met. 
We get ready to be alone with God, to, be, to, to, to get some rest. The phone rings. The doorbell rings. The kids need something. They can't sleep. They won't go down for a nap. Just to have a few minutes to yourself with the Lord. Do we get angry at that? Hard hearts happen when we feel unacknowledged, not recognized. Let's keep reading. Verse 35. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, Notice what they say. It's kind of like they're saying something to Jesus. This is a desert place. Remember, you brought us here to get rest. This is a desert place. And now the time is, is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. They're not acknowledged. I mean, after all, they worked hard. They did the work. All these people that just showed up, and Jesus just had compassion on them. And, and there was the compassion of Christ, and on them, they didn't do anything. Sound familiar to us? I work my tail off. Are you worried about him or her with all the work that I did? Don't you see me? This is the reason why this is all set up, because of me. Here's some top reasons why people are bitter. I didn't write this list, so don't get mad at me. What were we expecting in life that we didn't expect? What were we expecting in life that we didn't expect? Were we expecting to be further in life than we are now? Reasons to get bitter. Were we expecting to be further financially? And we're not. Were we expecting to be further in, in, in our life career? Were we expecting to be further in life, whether it's having a family? We thought we'd be married by now. We thought we'd have children by now. We thought we would have grandchildren by now. Were we expecting to stay married? Another big reason why people are bitter, they get divorced. Were we expecting to have a better relationship with our parents? Were we expecting a better relationship with our children? Growing up was very bitter for me. Being told, you're stupid. You're no good for anything. From people that were supposed to say, hey, good job. Bitter. Not having these expectations met can cause a hard, bitter heart. What were you expecting in life that you didn't expect? Let's look at someone else who was expecting something and he didn't get what he, what he expected. Keep your finger there, Mark 6, and turn with me to 2 Kings 5. If you find the one and two books in the Old Testament, you'll have 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. We want to be in 2 Kings chapter 5. In this story, it's the story of Naaman. We know the story. He's the captain of a host of Syria. Great, wealthy man. But he had a problem. And God sends a little servant girl into his path to help him of his problem. 2 Kings chapter 5. Verse number 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master, honorable because the Lord had given him deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But... He was a leper. So he's a great man. He has a problem. For sake of time, we're going to jump to verse 5. Because when we have a problem sometimes, we often go to the wrong people. 
Notice what he does in verse 5. And the king of Syria said, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed, and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand pieces of gold, ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent, my, sent name and my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. If you look back, his instructions wasn't to go to the king, it was to go to the prophet. And it came to pass when the king of Israel, verse 7, had read the letter that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man doth send to me to recover a man of his leprosy? Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. Again, the girl told him that the prophet in Syria, not the king, in Samaria, not the king, can heal him. When we have a problem, do we go to the wrong people? Psalm 1 says what? Blessed is the man that what? Doesn't have the counsel of the ungodly, right? Doesn't sit in the seat of the scornful, right? They're blessed. Here he's going to the wrong person. Look at verse 8. Let's keep reading. And it was so when Elisha... When Elisha, the man of God, had heard the king of Israel, had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. I love this. Here's Elisha, probably having coffee or tea, and here comes the, uh, uh, Naaman, captain of the host, important man. Verse 10, Elijah sent a messenger unto him. Elijah's like, yeah, hey, go tell him to do such and such. I'm drinking my coffee. He says unto him, go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy, thy flesh shall come to thee again, and thou shalt be cleaned. But, but Naaman was wroth. He was mad and went away and said, behold, I thought he would surely come out to me. Doesn't he know who I am? And stand and call the name of the, the Lord his God and strike his hand over this place and recover the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than these waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in what? Rage. He was expecting something else. We know that eventually he... He does what was told of him, the prophet. He gets healed. We, we understand that. But the point is this. He was bitter. He had an expectation. Don't you know who I am? Do we do the same thing? Don't you know who I am? What I've done? How hard I've worked? None of this could have happened if it wasn't for me. Why do we do what we do? To be acknowledged? To be pat on the back? We're owed nothing. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what we're owed. 1 Timothy 6.6-8 6 says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, food and clothing, let us therewith be content. Do we have unmet expectations? Plans that have been changed that cause us to have a hard heart. 
That's a couple of causes of a hard heart. Let's look, number two, at characteristics of a hard heart. Turn back to Mark chapter 6. I'm sorry if I didn't tell you to keep your finger there, but we're going back to Mark chapter 6. Characteristics of a hard heart. A characteristic of a hard heart causes us to have a bad attitude toward people. We catch up with our disciples in verse number 35 in Mark 6. And when the days were now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desert place. <laughs> Remember? And now the time is far spent. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about and into the villages to buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, Shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? Notice they didn't want to deal with the people. What's interesting is in the account, the same account in John, uh, Jesus says that same thing. You give them something to eat. But he said that to prove them. They failed that test. Well, what are you supposed to do? You got to go run to the store now? When we have a bitter heart, it affects other people. Another characteristic of a hard heart, we lose sight of God's miracle. We lose sight of God's miracle. Look at verse 38. He saith unto them, how many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they saved five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and break the loaves and gave to his disciples to set them before them. And the two fishes were divided among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. They took up 12 baskets of fragments of leftovers and the fishes. And they that did eat were, and the loaves were about 5,000. That's just men, not including women and children. Jesus fed the, the thousands of people with a lunchbox, and they missed it. When we get, up, get caught up with a hard heart, a bitter heart, we also lose sight of God doing right, right in front of us. Bitter about our job or our family or our position, maybe even in the church. When someone else is rejoicing, we're bitter. And we can't rejoice with them in their new job or their position or their family because we're too bitter. Characteristics of a hard heart also causes us to disconnect from the ministry. We disconnect from the ministry. Look at verse 45. And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. He told them, all right, you, you already missed it. Go on by your business. Who sends, them away? Who sends the disciples away? Jesus. Who tends to the people? Jesus. Why? Because of their hard heart. They were disconnected from the ministry. When we have a hard heart, we tend to stay away from the ministry. Isn't this true? Think about it. Think about it. We're bitter to our spouse. How's that dinner table? Pretty quiet, isn't it? Bitter with the kids? Nobody's doing much talking. Or, oh, you see the text. You're bitter at someone, you see the text. Oh, I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. There's a little lag in between. We disconnect. Perhaps it's just me, I don't know. We looked at causes of a hard heart, characteristics of a hard heart. But let's, number three, look at the consequences of a hard heart. Consequences of a hard heart. A consequence of a hard heart is often the storms in life. Look at verse 47. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. 
And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking on the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. Notice that Jesus is actually with them the whole time. When they're disconnected to the ministry, when they got their hard heart, when they're in the storm, Jesus is right there. Keep your place there, Mark, and turn with me to Jeremiah. If you find the major prophets in the Old Testament, you have Isaiah, Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 4. While you turn there, I'll read from you from Job. God often sends storms in our lives to soften our hearts. Job 23, 16 says this, For God maketh my heart soft, and the Almighty troubleth me. Because I was not cut off before the darkness, neither hath he covered me, covered the darkness from my face. In Jeremiah chapter 4, look at verse 3. For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise to yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart. He's talking about a heart situation. Ye men of Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, why? Lest my fury come forth like fire, and burn that none can quench it, because of the evil of your doings. God is going to send a storm to soften us one way or another. He's going to do that. Remember Jonah? He had a hard heart. He was bitter, wasn't he? In Jonah 1.4, the Bible says, But the Lord, notice that, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that ship was like to be broken. God sent that storm because his heart was hard. God sent it to him to get his attention. God is going to do the same for us to get our attention. Go back to Mark. What's another consequence of a hard heart? Well, you begin to have one yourself, and it's hard to get rid of it. Look at verse 52. Back in our story, in verse 52, the disciples had one, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their, catch this, heart was hardened. Turn a couple of pages to chapter 8. This is not the only time in Scripture that Jesus does a miracle like this. Here it's with the 5,000. Here we'll look quickly at the 4,000 that he feeds. Chapter 8 and verse 17. Look down at 17. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye because ye have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet, or still hardened? Having eyes see ye not? Having ears hear ye not? Do ye not remember? Sadly, the answer to those questions are no. Do we remember the miracles when our heart gets hard? Not only did we look at some causes of a hard heart, characteristics of a hard heart, consequences of a hard heart. Let's look at the cure for a hard heart. The cure for a hard heart. The cure for a hard heart or bitter heart is forgiveness. He said, Come on, Dave. You don't understand the reason why I'm bitter. You're just some young punk. You don't get it. I was hurt. I was treated unfair. I was neglected. I was overlooked. How can I possibly forgive, especially when it wasn't my fault? I didn't do the wrong. This is not where I should be in life. It should be different for me. Turn to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. 
<clears throat> You're in Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Notice how bitterness being put away from us is tied to forgiveness. A hard heart, bitterness being put away from us is tied to a heart to a forgiveness. Look at verse 31 in Ephesians chapter 4. The Bible says this, let all bitterness, what comes along with bitterness? Wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking. Let that be put away from you with all malice, all evilness. 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, please don't miss this, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I can't do that, Dave. There was a time in my life, me personally, that this scripture in Job chapter 3, verse 25, you don't have to go there, but I'll just read it from you. He says this, after everything, we, we know the story of Job. Job 3, 25 says this, For the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. The thing, his worst nightmare happened to him. I've experienced that. Many of us experience that. And that which what I was afraid of is come unto me. He says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Was Joe bitter? Perhaps some of us feel this way and cannot forgive. Let's, let's look at someone as we start to wind things down. Let's look at someone real quick who forgave and would have been justified if he didn't forgive. Go to Genesis, Genesis chapter 42, first book in the Bible. Genesis 42. We know the story. We know the story of Joseph, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers because they were bitter against him, because his he was his father's favorite. By the way, this teaches us that we shouldn't favor our kids or our grandkids. We shouldn't do that. It might cause somebody to be bitter. You say, yeah, but he was a ruler in Egypt, right? I mean, he came out of it. No big deal. What's the point? Right? He was basically run in Egypt. Well, he didn't start that way. In Genesis 42, we come to the time when Joseph meets his brother. And they're looking to purchase grain because of the famine in the land. And he tells them they have to bring their younger brother to him, or else they're spies. Notice what happens in verse 21. Genesis 42, verse 21. And they said one to another, they think that he doesn't understand, right? We are very Verily guilty concerning our brother, in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us, when he pleaded and he begged, and we would not hear. Therefore is this distress come upon us. He begged them, he pleaded. They saw the anguish of his soul. But they wouldn't hear. Can you imagine the look on Joseph's face when that happened? When he's staring at them and he's in anguish. Joseph's enslaved. Turn back to Genesis 39. A couple of pages over. He's enslaved in Genesis 39 too. The Bible says this, and the Lord was with Joseph, enslaved. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. Even in prison, verse 21. 
But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph hand all the prisoners that were in prison and whatsoever they did, there he was the doer of it. Look at the next chapter, chapter 40. Chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40, look at verse 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked on, on them, upon them, and behold, they were sad. He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter. Notice what Joseph says. And Joseph said, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. Joseph's in prison. He can't see the sun rising. But he's happier than these guys. He's not bitter. The sun will come up some, sometime. It's there. I believe it. He still acknowledges God. He's not bitter. When he meets Pharaoh in Genesis chapter 41, turn a page over. Genesis chapter 41, look at verse 16. He's meeting Pharaoh now. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He's forgotten in prison. He still acknowledges God. He's not bitter. He's sold into slavery around about the age of, of 17. He comes out at 30. That's a long time. That's a long time to be dealing with that. And what happened to him? He's not bitter. He says some powerful things. I love the story of Joseph. Look at verse, uh, chapter 45. I mean, he's got some things that you can put on postcards, right? Genesis 45. He make, this is where he makes himself known to his brother. Verse 5 in, four, in chapter 45. Now, therefore, be not grieved. <laughs> Don't be grieved. Nor angry with yourself that you, sold me, that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be earring nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Was he bitter? No. Genesis chapter 50. He says something else that's quite amazing. Jacob is dead now. Surely his brothers think now that Joseph is bitter against him. Chapter 50, verse number 15. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph would preventure hate us. He would certainly requite us or repay us of all the evil which he did, which he did unto him. And they sent a messenger. They can't even go to him. They sent a messenger. Thy father did command before he died, saying, you know, this is what dad said. So shall ye say unto Joseph, forgive. He, he already forgave them. I pray you thee now the trespass of thy, breth of thy brethren. And their sin, for they did unto thee evil, and now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of God of thy father. Joseph wept when they spake unto him, and his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. <laughs> Joseph, notice, verse 19. Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. If there's anyone in scripture that, needs, that, that could be bitter, it's him. And he wasn't. He wasn't. He forgave. 
God, God will make sure that nobody's going to get away with, it, with anything. Don't be bitter. Be better. Forgive. Last place in the Bible I have you look. Turn to Luke 22. Look at this last verse here. While you turn there, I'll read from Romans 5.8. You know the verse. Forgive. Romans 5.8. But God commended his love toward us in that we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He forgave. We are forgiven. Luke chapter 22. We'll finish right here. If you had your place on Mark, the next book is Luke. Luke 22. Jesus gives us one of the greatest examples here. Luke 22, look at verse 34. Then said Jesus, probably one of the three most powerful words in Scripture. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. They departed, they departed as raiment and cast lots. Jesus forgave. Causes of a hard heart. Characteristics of a hard heart. Consequences of a hard heart. Cure for a hard heart. Here's the application. Here's the point. All that to say this. Before something causes us to have a hard heart, before we begin to show characteristics of a hard heart before we reap the consequences of a hard heart before all that before all of that let's find the cure of a hard bitter heart let's be better what's the cure Jesus what's the cure forgiveness I can't forgive I know and that stone will stay right there won't be moved. Can we do that? That we may not have a hard or bitter heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Thank you, Lord, that you would allow someone like me to stand here. Lord, I pray that this sermon glorified you and edified this building, Lord. I pray at the very least, Lord, that you would help me not be bitter, but be better. Thank you that you were not bitter, Lord. Thank you that you were not bitter towards us. And you still sent your son to die in a place of a death that we deserve. Thank you for that. Thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. May we realize that with a bitter heart, we'll hinder our relationship with you and each other. We love you, Lord. Please be with us throughout the rest of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.